At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. My name is Jim. I am the campus pastor. It's so great to meet you all or see you all. I would love to meet you afterwards if you're new to our church here. But uh, man, what a beautiful day. Is it our first snow today? It's awesome. Let's just take a moment of silence. Today will be a day, this next month, we will celebrate the beauty of the weather outside. We'll celebrate it for this next month, and then we'll loathe it, loathe it for four. So it's going to be fantastic. I hope you are in the Christmas spirit. Wait, what? Like, I was in my office just a little bit ago, finishing studying, and I was listening to Christmas music. It was wonderful and powerful. And it's like, uh, I love it. It's like the division in our world, right? So can we just settle it real quick? I've done this before, but I just want to see. I love to see practically. Usually it's a 50-50 split, but maybe our congregation is more sanctified than I thought they were. Um, are you yet celebrating Christmas? Maybe even by putting up some decorations. Maybe your tree might be up, or at least it's in the living room, or uh, you're listening to some Christmas music. Can you just, who, who out there? Anybody? Okay, okay, I see you. You guys are loved by God. That's awesome. How about you? How about those of you who are like, it is not Christmas until thanks has been given? I'm marking all of you. <laughs> Don't speak to me afterwards. Uh, Christmas is a beautiful season that is to be celebrated uh, all year long. I sometimes listen to Christmas music in the summer just because... It's so good and spirit-filling, and um, it's the most wonderful year of, time of the year, all year. But I don't know, uh, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 8, we're going to be there this morning, uh, verses 18 to 25, as we continue a series that we started a couple of weeks ago, Unstoppable, Bound by His Love, Bound in His Love, excuse me, Bound by, in His Love, and Freed by His Spirit, and as I was thinking about today, I was thinking about Christmas and Christmas music, rightfully so, because it's November. Um, and there's some amazing Christmas music, right? I mean, uh, there's some amazing secular Christmas music. I hate using the word secular uh, because I think all things are sacred, um, and we should be entering into that. That's a different discussion. But uh, some secular music, there's some great secular Christmas music, if you want to say it that, music that's not aimed at, like, the birth of Christ and celebrating Christ. Uh, there's some great music. There's also some great Christmas music that's focused and centered on Jesus. And man, in the coming weeks, we won't officially make you sing them in church until the start of December. It's fine. Um, but we'll sing some beautiful music, some, some carols, if you will. Man, one of my favorite things about Christmas Eve services is being with your family and lighting a candle and singing some amazing Christmas music that centers around the birth of Jesus. I, I got to say, my most favorite that I look to, forward to every single year in this room with all of you is the song, O Holy Night. It just wouldn't be Christmas, I feel like, if I didn't sing that in declaration of who God is. O Holy 
night. Some of the, 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 the words to the song, I just want to read them briefly because it's so powerful. This is what it says. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angel voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night divine, O night divine. There are some pretty amazing phrases in this carol. When he says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. How many of you know what pining means? Anybody? It means like this deep longing or yearning or to suffer with longing or to long uh, uh, painfully. It says, the thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. And he's saying that while the world yearns deeply and suffers with longing, on Christmas morning there's a thrill of hope brought into the unnoticing world through the birth of Jesus. Such deep, amazing words. Now, this song was written about Christmas morning, about when Christ came, but honestly, it could have just as easily been referencing Romans chapter 8 and what we're looking at today. We've been, we've been walking through the book of Romans, chapter 6 and 7, and now in 8. And many, would people, many people would believe, as I said the first week, that Romans chapter 8 would be the greatest book of the Bible or chapter of the Bible in its entirety because it's so amazing and deep and profound. And in Romans 7, uh, if you weren't here, we wrestled with the story that we can all relate to in chapter 7, that we're trying to overcome the master of sin in our own strength. We all know how that story goes, that it just ended in this endless cycle of sin and self-loathing. But then in Romans 8 comes the good news, that the unstoppable work of the Holy Spirit will overcome and ultimately overcome the grip of sin and death. It's amazing. And profound that through faith the Christian is bound by love and freed from the power of sin. And it's sung, Romans chapter 8, it's like a song singing full of hope, reminding us that our present sufferings will give way to a future glory. That our present sufferings will give way to a future glory. And that's what we see in our passage even today. You know, biblical hope is an interesting thing. We've talked about this many times, but I always like to make sure we are reminded it's much different than worldly hope, right? The main difference would be that there's an element of uncertainty associated with worldly hope, right? We, we talk about a lot of different things we hope for. I hope to get the job that maybe you're trying to get. You hope that your kids will sit well in church or not act up enough that your, your little number gets put on the screen over here and you have to get up. And then if you don't see it, it just flashes like, please, for the love of everything, good and holy, come get your child, please. We, we, we hope that that doesn't happen, right? We hope, praise God, we're praying, but I don't know if I see it. We hope that the Lions will win one game. 
so we won't beat our own record. One game. Some of you here are hoping that Jim doesn't go overtime in preaching. But worldly hope has this association of almost a little bit of doubt. But biblical hope is a certain longing. It's not an uncertain longing. It's not a sensation of warm fuzzy that gives a false sense of hope or assurance that everything will be okay in the end. No, it's a, it's a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. A confident expectation for something good in the future. And the Holy Spirit brings hope in Christ that fills us up, fills up our spirit with confident, with a confident resolve knowing of something certain that everything works together for good of those who are called according to his purpose. And in Christ, we're an expectant people. I don't know if you know that. We're an expectant people. We're a sure people. We're a certain people. We're a confident people. We are a resolved people, not just hopeful, but hope-filled people of a future that we have in Christ. So I just want to ask you before, and I'll, I'll come back to it at the end, but I just want to ask you this morning as we dive into the Word of God, what are you hoping for today? What are you hoping for? Just like in real time, just let that first thing that pops to your mind, like what, do you, what have you been hoping for? Are you hoping the sufferings of this world will cease? Are you hoping that the uh, unrelenting devastation of sin in the world will give way to a restored life of peace in the future? Are you hoping that death will one day die and we will no longer have to experience the, the overwhelming pain of death? I mean, this, this weekend, Sunday, sorry, excuse me, today, and then tomorrow we're hosting two funerals because people are experiencing the pain of death. And I'll just say that far too easily, friends, we are hoping for um, worldly things or putting our hope in worldly stuff that is short-lived. It's just a shot in the arm of maybe a few moments of satisfaction or hope that we try to find ourselves in. And in Romans 8, the beauty of it is that it gives us an invitation into something that is infinitely better that we can place our hope in. It explains why, man, Christians can be full of hope in the midst of suffering. Did you know that? It fills us with this glorious expectation of what is to come for us. So here, we're just going to dive into verse 18, and Paul is going to share with us in these moments just a couple of things that we are groaning for a future hope, that creation first groans in hope for its full restoration. I don't know if you know that. We'll come back to this in a minute. But actually creation. When you go outside and you look around, it's groaning for its full restoration. Look what it says in verse 18. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this is verse 18, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth. Until now, the creation groans in hope of its full restoration in 
Christ. And in verse 18, just that first verse, I want to camp out there for a moment because this is basically kind of the thesis for the entire passage. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So Paul is setting up this, this contrast between our present sufferings, maybe what you're experiencing in this moment, or these days, or you've experienced in the past, with the future glory that we will have in Christ the future hope that is in Jesus with our current reality of maybe pain that you're experiencing or suffering or discomfort. And, and his conclusion in the scripture is that there is no comparison. There's no comparison to what we are experiencing today in our present sufferings or pains or struggles or all that we see in the world around us with the future hope that one day we have. There's no comparison. And it seems like a little bit of an overwhelming statement, especially to those maybe in this day, in this moment, as I look at this crowd or I'm lo looking at people online that are maybe going through present sufferings. Maybe you're thinking, like, Paul doesn't know in the world he's talking about when he wrote verse 18. Well, if you believe that, maybe you don't actually understand the story of Paul, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul. Can I tell you, in the scriptures, when we see the story of Paul, he knew what it was like to starve, to be tormented, to be threatened, chased, mocked, unjustly sentenced, constantly in prison, in literally chains. He, he was beaten to death. He was stoned, not with drugs, with actual stones. He was shipwrecked. He, he was whipped so much so to the point that he said he bore the marks of Christ in his body. I think Paul knows what it's like to suffer in the present age or the present time, and he looked at it as motivation that one day it doesn't compare to the future hope, sure hope that we have in Christ. His hope was concrete. And I'm sure that, honestly, as I look on at all of you, I'm, I'm sure, honestly, you have your list and I have mine. We have, we, have, we have the moments that we walk through suffering, maybe not, not self-inflicted. It comes from outside yourself. Maybe it's the result of you standing up for your faith in the workplace or in your life or standing up for truth. And because of that, you're walking through some hard seasons. Or maybe it's completely outside of yourself in the sense that it's just the result of a broken world. That because of sin, we have broken marriages. Because of sin, we have, we, have, we, have, we have cancer. Because of sin, we have death. Because of sin, we have depression and anxiety. Because of a broken world, this is where we live. There's things outside of us that cause us to wrestle and struggle and walk through deep, real pain. Maybe very horrible and close ways. But what's amazing is Paul says, I want to remind you what Christ has brought us. What his life for ours brought us, the Holy Spirit whispers to us and the word of God shouts to us, I want to remind you that the hope of my faith surpasses the pain of my present. He said that's what it is, is that the hope of my faith surpasses the pain of the present. Man, maybe you haven't in your journey as a follower of Jesus, you haven't yet locked in to discover in the word of God what the hope in Christ, the future hope we have, actually looks like. Maybe you haven't looked into the word of God to discover that what is gained in salvation, 
Maybe for you, you just thought that salvation was being saved or rescued from the present pain and being in heaven somewhere someday. Now, that's pretty good. That's amazing. But it's, it's much greater than that. Man, our hope it is not so much, I hope you listen to this, not so much about a place as it is a person. Heaven, salvation, is not as much about a place as it is a person, the person of Jesus. Can I tell you that if your longing for heaven is a heaven that is not a longing to be with Jesus, your longing for heaven maybe isn't heaven. Because salvation is more about a person than it is a place that we will be with Christ, will be like Christ, will be seeing Christ, will be living with God, enjoying with God, being sustained by God, filled with God, worshiping God day in and day out. Share more about that in a few moments. But man, today, if you're here, don't lose heart as you walk through pain, loss, don't lose hope. Actually, in those seasons, that's when you should be exercising hope. That in your present sufferings is when you can lock in. That in this broken season, in this broken life, it is but just a moment on the blip of eternity, but I have an eternal weight of glory that is my hope that I will be with Jesus for all time in a moment we'll get there where he has made all things new. And he says, Paul writes in a different place in 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, so we don't lose heart. Man, and I know people that are here today in this service that are Experiences, though our outer self seems to be wasting away, our inner being is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen? Man, today, if you're here and you're, you're wrestling, you're walking through a brokenness, maybe a diagnosis or a loss of a loved one or a loss of a job or not sure where you're supposed to turn next, man, can I tell you, don't lose hope. Actually, ground your hope in the eternal weight that doesn't compare to this present suffering. And today, I, I feel as though, even as I was just reading that, uh, I'm trying to follow the, lead, the promptings of the Holy Spirit more in my life now than I ever have. And sometimes I just suppress them like, oh, I ate pizza last night, I just don't want to do that. But I feel as though in this moment, someone in this congregation today needs to be prayed for. And I just want to take a moment and break for that. Someone who's walking through deep pain, and I just want to give us a moment, and I, and I, I want to be so bold to say, if that's you in this room, I'm, I'm imagining that's numerous of you, that you would just put your hand up. I want to pray for you in this moment. No one in this room knows what it is. Would you just put, put your hand up? And I just want to take a moment and pray for you. And it's not me. I don't have a special power in my prayer, but we're going to pray for you. Anyone here, just raise your hand. And if someone's willing to, and you're willing to allow them, would someone around them just place your hand on them as I pray? Just real quick, uh, just place your hand on them as I pray. I want to pray here just for a moment. I'm going to find one. 
pray for my brother Ben here and others. Would you pray with me as we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ here? Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the beauty of your word, that it is true and right and good. That what Romans says is true, that what you have for us in this day is overwhelming. But thanks be to God that we have a Holy Spirit that is with us, that is walking with us, empowering us. But God, I pray over Ben and many others in this room that they would fix their eyes wholly on you as their hope, as their sure, solid rock, that as they're walking through this present season of maybe brokenness or being overwhelmed or, 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 or health or broken family members or loss of loved ones, whatever it may be, God, I ask that your spirit in this moment right now would touch them in a way that would give them hope even more than they had before in the present. That this is light and momentary, moment, but it doesn't seem like it to the present hope we'll have in the future. Give them hope, Lord. Just breathe life into them in this moment. Meet them where they are. You are in the business of giving hope. We thank you. It's in your powerful name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look with me in verse 19, we're just going to continue. And I'll just say, if, you, if you're walking through a season of trouble or hardness or being overwhelmed or brokenness, man, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. I'd love to continue to pray for you, knowing what's going on in your life. You can do that by a communication card or come talk to me. And you're not meant to do it alone. Maybe, again, maybe there's a season you need to join a group that others can walk with you in this season. But I'd love to chat with you more about that. Look in verse 19 with me as he continues. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's a pretty powerful statement. For the creation was subjected, subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now, this phrase, waits with eager longing, comes from a group of words that have the idea of stretching one's neck forward. That's what it's meaning. Is that it groans, or it waits eagerly, it's kind of like it's stretching its neck forward, sitting on the edge of its seat maybe is the idea, that creation is, this idea is, is creation is leaning in the straining to see God's children come into glory. The creation is waiting and watching for all of God's children to come into glory. Isn't that a powerful scene? The creation's watching. Why? Why is creation pining, as we said before, or longing or anticipating or straining to see? Why? Because it's been subjected to futility, not willingly, as it says, but because of him who subjected it. So Paul is referring back to the Garden of Eden here and what happened there when paradise was lost. He's saying creation was perfect, but the moment that man sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, it was cursed because humanity was created to have dominion over the earth. So when we were cursed, everything that we were meant to take care of also became cursed. 
subjected to futility, as it says. So, it says, all creation groans to be set free from its corruption. It, it groans to be set free. You see, like, the animal world, well, it looks beauty, and there's scenes of nature that are lovely still, that remain a little bit beautiful. There's, when you witness it, it's also bloody and has horrors in it. I mean, we have floods and hurricanes and droughts and tornadoes and avalanches and earthquakes that all stalk the earth day in and day out. And from now until future restoration, all creation sits back groaning with labor pains. It says, waiting to be set free from the bondage of corruption. And it will be set free when God's work of redemption is done when every son and daughter join in his family through faith. Isn't that profound and powerful that even creation is experiencing something from the gospel and it's waiting for all of us children of God to come into the family when God will eventually, as we'll see in a moment, make all things new. It's waiting with expectation like, like a mother in labor pains. Now what's amazing is just seeing many of the new babies that are in our congregation, and it's right there, see? <laughs> I, I hear that amen back there. Right? You, you, see, you see these, and I love seeing them on social media where there's a, a picture of the mother or the father with the newborn. It's amazing and profound. But, man, what you don't see, and please don't post this, <laughs> is a mother, her face, while she's in the midst of labor and labor pains. Because she is literally in agony, and you don't want to picture that. But what a beautiful picture after the child is born and the new baby is resting in the mother's arm. This, this beautiful picture of the way that it's meant to be. This is what he's saying. That's the experience of creation. That our hope is that the world will be restored. Right now, it's full of fear, perversion, abuse, death, natural disasters, lack of resources, and all the rest. But you know what's amazing is that our hope is a solid thing in the future that in Romans, excuse me, Revelation chapter 21, God says he's going to restore all of it. You know this. In Revelation 21, he says in verse 5, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And Jesus, when he arrived to the world, he said this process in the thrill of hope, as we read in that Christmas carol, for all of creation. And the irony is that while heaven celebrated and while creation gathered in a barn, while stars jumped in the skies, human beings, except for maybe a handful, didn't even pay attention. We are all part of a bigger story. That's why you say the gospel, the gospel is more than you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that he came and died for you on the cross so that you might be able to be reconciled back to him. It's so much greater than that. The gospel isn't even just for you. The gospel is for all of creation. That God is, is making all things new, that the, the world we live in, Man, can I tell you, you and being with God for all of eternity, heaven is not that when you die, you go to float in a cloud somewhere with a bow and arrow to shoot people. 
What we will experience for all of eternity is God making the earth we live on new and back. He's bringing all things back into its Eden state so that we can, what we entered into in the moment we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're experiencing in part, again, walking with God again, like Eden, in the cool of the day, by the Spirit of God. But one day, in the future, he'll make all things new, and we'll walk again with God in the cool of the day. That is, that's the gospel. That he's restoring it. So no matter what you're walking through, he's going to make it new. He's restoring it all. That even creation groans a part of a bigger story. The hero has come. He faced the challenges and trials. He overcame every single one of them and won the victory. And he freely shares the spoils of his victory with the entire universe. That's the gospel. And we get to experience that. But not only creation groans, we groan. God's people groan in hope for our full redemption. Look what it says in verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. Remember last week we talked about the fact that we've been adopted in the spirit of adoption through the Holy Spirit. The redemption of our bodies, verse 24, for in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And for those of us watching online and in this room who have made Jesus our Lord and Savior, we live in this already but not yet reality. You see what he's saying? We've already experienced salvation. Paul says, for in this hope we were saved. So we've, we've experienced it, but we haven't yet fully experienced it. One day, every part of us, even our physical bodies, he says, will be redeemed along with the physical world. You see what he says? But it's an already but not yet. We've already been rescued and redeemed. We've already been sealed with the Spirit until the day of redemption. But one day we will fully experience what it means to be with God for all of eternity. We experience in part right now what it means to have fellowship with, with God. But one day we will experience fully what it means to walk with God and be with God. We're experienced it already, but not yet fully yet. And we groan for that fully moment. That is our hope that we look forward to in the future. We groan, our bodies groan. What was that noise you made when you woke up this morning and put your feet on the ground? <laughs> if you're older than 35. <laughs> but while we groan, we also have the first fruits of salvation. Can I tell you, person here today, those of you online, you will never be more forgiven than you are right now. You will never be more justified than you are right now in Christ. If you are in Christ, then you know the hope of your faith. You felt the peace of God when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You felt his joy when you followed him in obedience to be baptized. You have the first fruits, but it's just a taste 
of what's to come. So the joy you experience in your salvation right now, today, as you walk every single day, is just a foretaste. It's a first fruits of what we will experience for all eternity. So we patiently wait, having received the Holy Spirit as our deposit of salvation. We wait eagerly, leaning in, stretching our necks, looking forward. On the edge of our seat, we wait for the hope and the future that we have. So I go back to what I asked you in the beginning. What are you hoping for? What do you hope for? What are you on the edge of your seat for? What are you longing for? Maybe your hope for the future, I think many Americans struggle with this, your hope for the future, the future hope we have in Christ, the longing we have for it, has been diminished because you found everything you hope for in this present world. Or you think you have. Or because we're chasing after hopes in this present world. That we're placing our faith in things of this present world. That we're hung up with things here. You see, people in third world countries, when I go on missions trips, their hope is securely in the future because it feels like they're living in hell today. The struggle we have where we live is that many times we get hung up in our hopes here and now, and it diminishes our hope for the future. Our eyes get fixed on shiny objects here today. I love what C.S. Lewis writes. If you're not a, a fan of C.S. Lewis, start. He writes this, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of holiday at the sea. This is many times our struggle, my struggle, maybe your struggle. But tonight, can I tell you that Jesus, what we read in Revelation chapter 21 and in scriptures, Jesus is in the business of restoration. Whether today your hope is just wishful thinking, that you hope one day that when you look at God and you see him face to face, because every human will, that you hope that one day he'll be like, well, you did feed a couple homeless people, so we'll let you in. Or whether your hope is in Christ, but you've placed your eyes off of that hope and on the things of this world. No matter where you find yourself, 
God is a God in the business of restoration. So today, man, if you have a hope that is shaky, that is unsecure, that is, is fixed on something that maybe you've done or you think you've done to make God happy, and one day he's going to look at you and be like, man, well done, good and faithful servant for doing all the right things, you have a shaky hope. Today, place your faith and trust solely in Jesus and what he's done for you, and your hope will be like a solid rock an expectation that there's no guessing in the matter that one day when I see Jesus face to face, it's going to be well done, good and faithful service. Enter into the joy of your master. Guaranteed. And if that's not you today, today, cast your life on Jesus. Place your faith and trust in him and he will rescue and redeem you. He will restore you. For the rest of us, may we be in the business of placing our hope and our eyes and our affections on Jesus holy as our hope. Because through Christ, we are hope-filled people. Yes, there's pain and there's struggle and there's brokenness like we've talked about today. But I'm more than hopeful. I am hope-filled. I know Jesus will see me through it. I know he's got me. I know he's with me. I know he's going to see me through. I know that there is nothing that can separate me from his love. I've got more than worldly hope. I've got a heavenly hope. Do you? And is that where you are today? I pray that it is. We're going to sing in a moment a song called Graves into Gardens that God is a God who can restore a grave into a garden, and he did as Jesus did, and he can do it in your life. And maybe today is just a day where you are crowned to the Lord. Lord, I place my hope in a lot of other things, and today I need to fix it back on you. Or maybe you're here today, and you have no hope in the future. Maybe today during the song, you cry out and say, Lord, I need to place my hope full on you. I need to be rescued. Maybe today you just come forward, talk to me. I'll be right here or downstairs if you don't know what that means. But may we all leave this place with our hope placed fully on Jesus for the restoration of our souls and all the world together. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for today, for your word, for what it speaks to us, how it challenges us and calls us to be more like you. God, I just got a picture in a moment, a few moments ago, of what People are walking through. There's more people than we know. There's more people than raise their hands in this room that are overwhelmed, that are struggling, that are walking through a season of suffering or pain or struggle. Today, Lord, would you, as I prayed before, would you meet them in that place? Comfort the brokenhearted. Give hope to the hopeless. Give joy to the depressed. And all of us, Lord, would you take us to a place where we would fix our eyes on you that what we experience in part right now in our relationship with you would give us hope for the future that we'd fix our eyes fully and wholly on you and what you've done. God, we long for the day when you make all things new, that we get to walk with you again in the cool of the day for all of eternity. Be with us now, Lord, even as we sing and declare the truth of who you are you are a God that makes graves into gardens. You've done that with my life, Lord. And I know you can do it with every one of these. It's in your powerful name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.